When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. I hope you had a wonderful week. Thanks for listening. Um, if you're in your drive, uh, this is a, a great episode. Um, really enjoyed this guy, Lamorne Morris. You know him from New Girl. Uh, new show, Woke. Talks about Second City. Ryan, mm-hmm. it was a really fun episode. This guy is incredibly funny. He's really, really quick. He's really quick. It was intimidating how yeah. quick he was. I liked it. I loved him. Uh, that's coming up in just a second. Um, hey, if you're listening to the podcast or if you're here for Lamorne, I hope you stick around. Uh, I hope you uh, subscribe to the podcast. You can watch on YouTube. You can listen uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts. The handles, Ryan? Uh, at Inside of You Pod on Twitter, at Inside of You Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. Um, did you have a good week, man? I've been uh, I've been anxious. I feel like I'm overwhelmed about everything. I'm learning. We talked about this before the show. And uh, I'm just, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I just have to be more positive going into things. Yeah. Yeah. You're allowed to have feelings, but, you know, try to keep the positive vibes going. The world has not fixed itself and uh, you just kind of have to we have to find a way to live in it now. Yeah. So, hey, if you're having anxiety or anything like that this week, uh, I hope you uh, breathe and do something productive and exercise. Uh, I'm trying to do that. So that's helping. But uh, trying to keep the anxiety in check. That's a that's always a tough thing to do, but you could do it. Um, hey, if you want to buy any merch inside of you online store, tons of stuff on there, uh, tons of Smallville stuff and Lex Luthor stuff and all that shit, um, go to the Inside of You online store. If you want to buy any band stuff or Zoom with me, go to sunspin.com. Um, uh, tons of merch and all that stuff. And if you want to join Patreon, the lovely patron family, um, go to patreon.com slash inside of you. And it's to give to the podcast a little more and help us out. And uh, I'll message you after. There's a lot of great perks and all that stuff. So uh, I thank you all for listening to the podcast. And uh, yeah, life's all right, man. Life's good. We're alive. We're breathing. We're fucking here. We're here, dude. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's get inside of the wonderful Lamorne Morris. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You. Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. You come across as an educated, just like articulate guy who's got his shit together. Is that true, or is it Lamorne, or is 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 that false? It's it's you know it's a little from column A, a little from column B. I uh, I like to play when I can, um, but at the same time, you know, I think it's important to to be an adult. I have a daughter now, you know, and it's like, hey, I'm responsible. She will survive me. How do you do that though? How do you how do you, how do you balance that having a kid and working so much? Because you're always working, you're always doing stuff. How how do you do that? Because you know the probably the biggest fear you have is like, am I going to be a bad father? Am I not going to be around enough? Am I not going right? Is that a fear? It is a fear because the, well, she's eleven months old and I've been co-parenting. So the reason, the way I balance it is that 
baby mama does a lot of the lifting, you know what I mean? So she's, she's with her full time. And then I see her once a month, I go there, you know, I stay, I get a place in Austin and then, or she'll come here to LA. So it's a lot of traveling back and forth. Or if I'm out filming somewhere like in Atlanta, she comes to Atlanta with me, you know, things like that, you know, you, you get the time in when you can. Um, so you make it work. You, you, you make it work. Does she like but being on set? Does, a lot of lifting. does she like being on set? Does she like seeing daddy work? Well, because of COVID can't be on set. You know what I mean? It's just off you know, after work. You know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of, it's been, a, it's, been a, it's been a treat with COVID on set, you know? Well, you're, so. you, you, you're one of those guys though. I, I gather that just has to be busy all the time. That just like, I mean, even during COVID, that was an excuse for me to do jack shit and no one could say anything about it. But for you, you ended up doing this like series. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, who does that? Who does a series yeah. during COVID that you create? Yeah, it's weird. It was because uh, we had started the process before COVID. You know what I mean? We shot the pilot and COVID didn't really start booming until we were almost done recording season one. You know, and so we got the green light for season two during the middle of all the chaos and craziness. Um, and with all the restrictions and, and, and things on set, we everybody f felt like it, it was um, okay and safe to to get back to work. And, it, and, it, and for the most part, it has been. We've had no crazy incidents. We've had some shutdowns, right. but it's not been, no one's, no one's died. No one's gotten really sick. It's just been, you know, we get a case, we shut down. You, we, you, someone, it doesn't matter which department they're in, you shut down for a little bit until you contact trace and do all that stuff. So it's not been bad. It's not been hard to do. Right. Um, but for me, I've always just wanted to remain active. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I've gotten lucky. I've gotten very, very lucky to to get some stuff greenlit. Do you like being in charge? Do you like having projects that are your projects that you have a say that you're a producer on? Is that what you, the direction you'd rather go than being, I hate to say a puppet, but like coming on set and like, you know, what do you prefer? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I would love, to, like being in charge is great. You know what I mean? Especially if you, especially if you think you have better ideas, you know? Um, but no, with, with, especially with this show, you know, I'm a producer on the show, but I didn't create the show, though. I didn't create this show. Ah. I'm a producer on the show, but I do have some say. And, and, the, and the rest of the producers and the creators are very collaborative. They, they're they not like, they're not like, this is our way or the highway. You right. know, I get the scripts, we take notes, we make changes. Um, that I think that's important, especially being a producer, is to be able to collab with the people who are smarter than you in those areas. Always, um, yes. And ultimately, I want to be Adam Sandler, man. Like, I... I I can I be your David Spade? Can I be your Nick yes. Swartzen? Can I just be please. like, please, just have me come aboard somehow? Please do, man. Like I told you before, man, I'm a huge fan of yours. I'm so, a fan like, of yours, hey. man. Hey, let's <laughs> let, let them work with your friends. Work with people you yeah. like. Exactly. This though, it feels like less stress that way. You that know what I mean? Me, like, that makes me happy. Everything's moving, and I, I I got to do a movie with Adam Sandler once, and uh, it was called Sandy Wexler. Sandy and Wexler. Was, yes. Yes. Yeah. And I was just watching how, like, there'd be times where Kevin James is on set and he's not even filming. Like, he's just there in Video Village tossing out jokes. Like, they just kick it and they hang out and they have fun and his family's there. I'm like, this is the life, man. <laughs> like, now I do that. I, yeah, I hear, like, Sandler, and I love Sandler. I love Adam. So he, he came up to me once. I did this movie that didn't do very well. I've done a few of those. 
but a movie called <laughs> Sorority Boys. And he goes, you were really funny in that, man. You're fucking hilarious in that movie. I go, yeah, tanked. He goes, yeah, but don't worry about it. You're funny. Who cares? Yeah. You know, he's really <laughs> sweet. I heard that, oh. you know, sometimes on set, somebody told me, like, he'll be like, he when he's giving direction to his friend, he's like, come on, you can be, deliver it like that. Turn your head and then say the fucking line. Yes. Does he yes. do that? He, he does. And it's, and it's the best because it's, it's not, it's not like coming from some dickhead director that you don't know. Right. You know what I mean? Like some asshole who's like really pretentious and feels like their job is the best in the world and they're all powerful and they want to talk down to you as the actor. He's fucking around with his friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I've seen him do it. I've seen him like his nephew, I want to say his nephew and even his agent was in the movie. I want to say, or his manager, I think. And he's yelling at them from video village. And he's like, just say the fucking line like this. Like, you're supposed to be, come on, you act like you never acted before. Come on, do it like this. <laughs> and then just like, like, shut up, dude. Did just he, shut up and just do the fucking line. Did he do it with you? Did he get, kind of throw shit at you? Uh, he would not, not in the, not in the, that kind of way, but we would, we would play. Like there was a scene I remember when we were at the dinner table and, uh, and he, we had to do this bit where he's like choking. He's like talking and he's spitting out food and he spit like chicken at me. And I'm like kind of like disgusted with him. But I'm playing the scene so real and so straight. Right. And like, and he didn't know I was going to play it that way. And so he got, he goes, fucking come on, this dude is making me act. Fuck. <laughs> and he's like, all right. He regroups, he comes back. And he comes back and then maybe like 20 minutes later, we reshoot part of that scene, his coverage. And he, and then he reminds you why he's Adam Sandler. Like he comes back, he's improvising, he's heightening the scene. He's low. He's playing high status, low status. He's doing, he's like an acting clinic after he saw what I was going to do on my coverage. Um, so that's his most, that's the most I've seen of him like make adjustments and like get weird with me on set. Like he was very like, so he sort of he sort of does this thing where he sees what you're gonna do, and then on his close up, he'll go. For instance, he's like, uh, you know, he says, "Lamont, how's this chicken?" And then he'll do one where he's like, "Lamont, how's this chicken? You like this chicken?" And then he'll do so, whatever it is, you know, or he's, he's yeah. yelling at you something that he's spitting on your face. He'll do diff different vocal. He'll be high. He'll be low. He'll do everything so they have all these choices. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, I would imagine a lot of times, especially in comedy, the tone is very, it's a delicate line you have to walk when you're trying to figure out the tone for the, for an entire two hour film. And in that scene in particular, it could have went so slapsticky based off of what I could have done with the performance. But I, I, you know, it's a Sandler movie. So I wanted to just play it real. So his, his comedy could get heightened and be more polarizing. And so I played it straight and I played it and it was hard to do as well, just because, again, I'm sitting across from Adam Sandler. So there are moments where I'm breaking, but I'm like, stop starting my social going on. Okay, okay, okay. And I'm playing it straight. So you and were breaking You were breaking up. He broke you a few times. Oh, a million times. Like, I, I mean, a million times. Did he like it? Do you think he liked breaking you? I Oh, I know for a fact he did. I know for a fact he did, because there are times where he's just doing it specifically to break you. Like he's seeing like moments of like, if I do a bit here, it'll fuck with him a little bit. Right. Um, and that was fun, man. That was fun. It truly was like a clinic working on that film. That's amazing. Inside of You is brought to you by Rocket Money. 
I love Rocket Money. You know why? Because everyone should have Rocket Money because it just helps you save money. How many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore and we're paying so much money? It's just throwing away money, Ryan. I, I found one. You And you did it. You told I me. Found, I got Rocket Money. <laughs> I, I found one. It, I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on, but thank you for finding it. <laughs> My God. It was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you want to watch some show and you go, oh, I have to subscribe to this uh, this streaming, dev- uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you you start streaming the show, you watch it, you leave, and you forget after this trial period it kicks in and it's they're charging terrible. you 10 bucks a month. It's, it is embarrassing. Ugh. You know, 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. I like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's 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 like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash inside inside of you is brought to you by neurohacker qualia senolytic let me tell you something if you haven't tried this you are missing out i just sent this to my mom i have it i use it 
It's a product that I didn't, I, they weren't even my sponsor when I was using this. And I was like, wow, why do I have more focus or energy? Why do I feel better? Why do I feel different? It's because I take Qualia Synaletic, Neurohacker. Look, if someone would have told me, Ryan, that there are science-backed ingredients that could help me feel 15 years younger in a matter of months, I wouldn't have believed it. But uh, I tried quasi-senolytic, and the rest is history. As we age, everyone accumulates senescent cells in their body. Senescent cells may cause symptoms of aging, such as aches and discomfort, slow workout recoveries, sluggish mental and physical energy associated with that middle-aged feeling. Also known as zombie cells, they're old and worn out and not serving a useful function for our health anymore, but they could be taking up space and nutrients from our healthy cells. Much like pruning the yellowing and dead leaves off a plant, Qualia Senolytic helps remove those worn out senescent cells to allow for the rest of them to thrive in the body. And... You just take it two days a month. The formula is non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in the combined effect of all the ingredients together. And Neurohacker Qualia Synaletic has a 100-day money-back guarantee. Oh, I have, I have more energy. Uh, I feel younger. Uh, I'm more productive. I will tell you that. I'm more productive. And uh, I feel like I have, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more enthusiastic about my life. I definitely feel that, and uh, for me, the aches and pains are less lessened by this, so that is a real important thing for me. Help resist aging at the cellular level, folks. Try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash inside. Neurohacker, N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R. Neurohacker.com slash inside for up to $100 off and use code INSIDE at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com slash inside for an extra 15% off your purchase. Um, I was looking on your Instagram and I was like, he wasn't in Space Jam, was he? Why did he get this big box of shit? What was that about? I mean, I saw this big box of, of Space Jam shit. No, not in Space Jam. But like because of the because of the pandemic, people don't have premieres anymore, really. You know, so what they do is they like send out stuff to people to post to bring awareness to the film. And I and I get them all the time. And I don't, you know, unless I have like a, a tie to the film somehow, I don't I won't post it really. Um, or unless I'm like obsessed with the movie and I like, you know, I'm not being paid, you know what I mean? Right. I'm just like a really big fan of Space Jam and huge LeBron fan. And the director, Malcolm Lee, is a buddy of mine. I've worked with him before. So when I so I thought, you know, yeah, let's do it, man. And I wanted to be in Space Jam. You motherfuckers. Every <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> you did was that a big favorite of yours growing up with Jordan? Oh my God. Jordan. Michael Jordan is everything. He really everything. is. Do you think he's, he's the best two, of all time? Two all time. Well, well, who's number one? LeBron James. Man. You think LeBron James is number one over Michael Jordan? Yes. Were well, you on crack? Of course. It was a different era. Jordan yeah. just created everything. All these championships and the tongue out and the just jumping a yeah. hundred feet and like. I know. I know. But you What do you evolved. think it is about LeBron that's better than Jordan? And how much better? If Jordan's a what number? What number is LeBron? It, it, well, it, it's not that he's much better because that's just impossible. Michael right. Jordan was damn near perfection. Right. Um, but again, I was watching these clips of Jordan 
I mean, he was, he's, again, he's number two all time. Before LeBron, he was number one to me. All right. But I was watching, I was watching the competition that he was going up against. Some of it was tough and difficult, but for the most part, he was scoring over like five, 10 guys. The guards were so small back then. Michael Jordan was like, I mean, there was no way these guys. He had Bill Cartwright on his team. (laughs) I know, but he also had Scotty Pippen and Dennis Rodman. That's true. You know, and Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr could shoot the lights out. John Paxton. He had some some killers around. Now you 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 like LeBron's shoes better. That's for sure. Actually, it's although I do have a sick LeBron collection. (laughs) It's reverse. I actually like Jordan's shoes better. You do. But I don't collect them like I like, you know what I mean? I, I collect the bronze, but not the Jordans. How much um, do you spend on a pair of LeBron shoes? I like two fifty, something like that. Two fifty. And how but many pair? I probably have maybe two hundred pair of, of LeBrons. But 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 a lot of them were free. A lot of them uh-huh. were given to me. You know what I mean? Get, when I have like a birthday, someone will give me a pair. Or Nike, uh, Kate back in the day would send me, you know, like a box of LeBrons. Whenever a new one would come out, I would get like some of them, you know. But for the most part, I was buying them. Right, right. Um, yeah. So, All right. I, I mean, I don't have 200 pairs of shoes. People make fun of me because I probably have 50 pairs of shoes. But you have yeah. hundreds of pairs of shoes. Do you do you wear, would you say you wear a lot of them? You try to go every day a new pair of shoes? Uh, you know what's so funny is that I, no, I I may have like they're like I wear a, a total of like four or five pairs, right. and it's usually what's on my floor when I'm walking out of my room. So it's the same pair usually for like a full week, and then if I know I'm going somewhere where I have to look a certain way, I'll specifically pick a different pair of shoes. But for the most part, I have these shoes. They're called Golden Goose. They're just like these low top raggedy beat up looking shoes that I put on. I got as a gift and I just, I wear them damn near every day. (laughs) And people give you shit because you're not wearing all these other shoes you have. Right. Yeah. I just can't, you know, sometimes they don't like LeBron's are really bulky. Right. They look fantastic, but they don't match. Like sometimes these skinny jeans that I'm wearing. (laughs) You're very color coordinated too. Aren't you? Like you like to look sharp. Yes. And no, yes. And no, I mean, look, I'm wearing a, Red blood sports shirt with a yellow hat. I don't know if that is coordinated. It looks good to me. It looks better to me. I'm in a pair of sweats and a freaking missile command shirt. So but you look good, man. Oh, uh, you know, you know. Look at you with your hairline all crisp and intact. Is it, is it crisp? Is it intact? It's crisp and intact. That's why I'm wearing a hat, man. My hairline looks like what the fuck. <laughs> so yeah. Well, uh, look, you have obviously a ton of success, and you've done so many things. And I always like to go back. I mean, you're from the south side of Chicago. Yeah. My engineer Ryan over here was like, "Well, that's that's the tough part of Chicago." And I'm like, "Is it? Was it? The, it's not the north. It's the south. It's always the south." No, it's the but south. the south side. Yeah. Did you? Was it a tough childhood? Yeah, yeah, it was, man. But you know, when you're in it as a kid, you don't look at it as tough because that's just what you're used to. You know what I mean? When I when I was a kid, I mean, there was a lot of gang violence, a lot of fights, a lot of gunshots, being shot at sometimes. Stuff like that, but you just looked at it like, like I remember a time of being at the park, we played basketball at the park and people started shooting. Now we just ducked down and like ran off. And then like once we get a block away, you and your boys are like laughing, like, damn, that was crazy. As opposed to going, 
we almost lost our lives. Like, you know, it, it's just, it toughens you up to, to the point where not a lot of things get to you. Um, so you get, you get used to it. It's not a, it's not, it's not the best way to get used to something no. uh, because unfortunately a lot of kids don't survive that. A lot of families are broken up by gang violence and drugs and, you know, policing in some of these neighborhoods, but it, it, it definitely forms you in the way you think when you, when you get a little bit older. But when we were, when I was, when I was 15, I want to say we moved to the burbs to like you go from the South side of Chicago, which is like, like parts of it. It's like the hood, hood, hood. Right. And you move to like the Western burbs where you're, where it is like suburbia damn near, you know what I mean? It's like, People leave their doors unlocked and, you know, shit like that. You're like, man, this is crazy. Um, And it definitely changes the way you think. You start to see the differences in the neighborhoods, the differences in your friends, their upbringings, you know, what life was like for them having a father around. And, you know, and you, you you start to see where things could have been different for you, but you still appreciate where you come from because there's a level of, awareness that I have that, you know, certain kids didn't have. Right. Was your father around? No, no. So my father, uh, my father was actually deported back in the day, um, back to Belize, uh, because my family's from Belize. Um, so he had deported back because of drugs, you know? Um, so you're selling a lot of drugs. This man, man's selling a lot. Were you around that? Were you aware of that at a young age? You knew what was going on? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, it was normal because everybody's daddies did it. You know what I'm saying? Like you grew and up, they did it in front, uh, in front of the children. Yeah. You grew up, I mean, there were crackheads walking around sometimes. You know, we'd come home sometimes, like, shit would be missing from the house. You know, like, like we had, a, we had someone who lived across the street who used to just walk around butt naked and walk out like, and turn her water hose on and, and pour water in a bucket. And she was just like, boobs out. She didn't care. She was just, she was on drugs. And that's just how she was going to live her life. And it was very normal to us. And we were like, hey. She was like, hey, y'all. And <laughs> she was like, sometimes she would leave the water on and the water bill would be high as fuck. <laughs> Flooding our grass. It was, was yeah. It, was it a good-looking woman? Was it someone that you guys as kids would just wait around for, hoping that she would go fill the bucket? Nah. No. Nah. No, it wasn't this, that. This, this, she was hopefully she's healthy and alive and well now. But back then when she was on that stuff, let me tell you something. Nothing good. Kids, there's nothing good looking about drugs. Okay? <laughs> there's nothing good nah. looking about But look, so your dad, he was deported, and then so your mom raised you. My mom, yeah. How hard was that? Ooh, you know, again, for us, normal. But for my mom, my mom was difficult. You know what I mean? My mom, she was working her butt off. Um, In the postal service, right? Yeah, post office, raising four kids, grinding, trying to, even trying to. And then then on her days off, you know, that, her days off, she would do, she would spend every minute with us. We should take us to places. We would do, we had normal child. We had a fairly normal childhood. But it was just like, it, we, you grow up faster because you spend a lot of that time learning stuff on the fly and on your own, you know. And for a lot of that time, my grandma, my grandma was around up until the time I was twelve. She passed away. Um, so my grandmother also helped raise us. Um, aunts, uncles, 
you know, people, it was all hands on they deck. They contributed. Really people contributed in the raising of oh, you yeah. guys. Southside, man, we used to spend a lot of time at our, at our aunt's house. Um, you know, I had aunt taught me how to cook a little bit, you know. So it was it was a very communal type upbringing. Was she know? strict? Was mom strict? Did she have to be, I guess? She tried to be, but she realized how silly her kids were. And, you know, <laughs> like, she couldn't do anything about it. You know, like, they're... Uh, there are also things we didn't really care about doing. Like for me, for example, she was strict on like going out, being out late, partying, things like that. But I also never did that. You know, I didn't have a desire to, even in high school, I'm trying to remember if I ever went to a party in high school. I, instead I went to like, we would go to my friend's house and play video games and, you know, like get Mountain Dew and a bunch of Cheetos. Ooh, Mountain Dew, pizza. yes. Mountain Dew is my jam. That is my jam. That's what we did at night. <laughs> really? Know, so, because if you would have gone to those parties, you probably would have been in trouble. Probably, probably. So she would she would pretend to be strict and be like, "I told you, I want you to butt in this house by this time." And I'm like, "Sure," but she knew deep down, like he's he's around the corner at Alex's house <laughs> or somebody playing, right. you know, Mortal Kombat or playing damn, you know, NBA 2K or something like that. I wasn't doing it. Right. Did, did you have dreams like as a young kid? We all, we all have dreams. We always think, but like when you're a kid and you're in it, like you say, I mean, are you thinking outside the box? You're growing up in the south side of Chicago, then you move to suburbia, but still, are you thinking, I want to be an actor? I want to be funny. I want to be a comedian. Were you always thinking that? Kind of. But I, it, for me, back then, it was it, back then, it was more like I wanted to be a basketball player. You know what I mean? Again, Michael Jordan, he was the. You want, everybody wants to be like Mike, and I did too. So I, it was like, I thought I was that good. Turns out I was not. But those were more of my dreams, being in, in the sports world somehow. But then the older I got, the more I fought, I fell in love with like goofing off. And I thought, man, this is, I love going to school because I get to just be silly and weird. And, and my teachers encouraged it. They encouraged like, you to be silly and goofy. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, see, they didn't do that with me. They they go Rosenbaum out in the hallway. <laughs> Rosenbaum, get in the corner. I, I just, oh, they yeah. didn't get me. And they just would kick my ass out. And so I got the best revenge and success. But oh, the, yes, they, exactly. they were never, they were never like excited about my behavior. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, the, but they were encouraging you to be a yeah. goof in class. Like you were, oh, yeah. were you disruptive in class? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I absolutely. love your teachers. Who well, are these I teachers? Let me tell you something. Glenbard South High School, they they did a great job with their hiring of staff because they were obviously very disciplined in their in their curriculum, but at the same time they knew it was less about it was less about what can we throw on these kids to do, but it was it was more about okay, what what do these kids have and how can we use their strengths to get them to learn better and to get those kids to to do what they're supposed to do better. And I had, you know, math teachers, English teachers, even my music teachers and things like that. They were all, they knew that these kids were wild and rambunctious and weird. And so they would encourage the behavior. I had one teacher who would kick me out. He would, he would give me time to like tell jokes in class. And then he, he would go, but, you go, you get, but I'll give you the time to tell these jokes. But afterwards, you got to go to the principal's office. Or you could just shut up <laughs> and let me teach and i would do both certain days i just wouldn't be feeling it you know <laughs> i'll let you do your thing today uh, wow but did you, you think you were a lot of students yeah did, did you learn do you feel like 
because they allowed this freedom that you had more of a respect for them, that you learned more and that you were, you got a little bit of an education because of that. Yeah. Because you felt, you felt for me, a lot of times if I didn't understand something, I would be too shy to, in front of everybody to be like, I don't get it. I didn't want to be the dumb one. That was me. Like, yep. Yeah. I would just pretend like I knew what they were talking about and then fail the test. And <laughs> I'd be like, shit. So when you get that, um, when you develop that shorthand with teachers, you it's okay to be like, and and you develop that 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 cynical attitude. You can just flat out say, like, I don't understand what you're talking about. And then other kids will go, Yeah, yeah, me either, actually. And then ah. it was a very encouraging space to be like, okay, we're not, you don't have to be a rocket science. It's just algebra. Like, let's figure it out, you know. Wow. I tried to, I, I was advanced in certain certain subjects and then they put me in physics, um, AP physics. And I remember day one in AP physics, I sat down and I was sitting in this like lab. Everyone's talking, the teacher's talking, we are discussing something. And I stopped and I went, time out. I don't think I'm supposed to be in here. <laughs> they were like, what do you mean? They go, this is the class you signed up for. I go, yeah, well, they recommended it. They're like... <laughs> I said, I haven't taken physics, the basic version. This is AP physics. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> They're like, oh, oh, okay, maybe we should demote you a little bit. And I was okay with that. I was like, I don't need to be here. I don't need to stress myself out here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a clown <laughs> when I grow up anyway. So... <laughs> Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I mean, so when when it was that you decided, did you get involved in high school theater? Any, did they have theater? And is that what, what happened? You got involved in that? I did. I did. I I, um, I was used to my time being spent playing basketball after school and things like that and, you know, summer league and all that stuff like that. But then after I, after I realized how I was not that good and I got cut and <laughs> I was like, I need, I need to figure out how, I'm, how else am I going to spend my time? And uh, I, I took a radio and TV class, um, which was like how to be a radio host, how to, you know, how to work the soundboards, how to, you know, do this, all the technical stuff. I took a class doing that in high school and I realized I liked the speaking part better. Um, and then another, I started looking through the curriculum that the school offered and another one was theater. I was like, oh, I did a church play once. I wonder, I wonder how this will, will pan out for me. And then I'd never stop doing it. That, um, did you, yeah. Do you remember the first play you did and the reaction you got, the response? Well, the f I can tell you the first big play. I did one play where I, I played like, I had like one or two lines. I forget what it was called, but it was 
dog shit. Uh, but then the second play I did was 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 called Godspell. Ah, uh, yeah. And Godspell is, is amazing musical, and uh, I got to play in that. And the reaction I had was amazing. I'm talking, we had a pretty dope theater in high school. It's a big, big theater. So I was also in concert choir and men's choir. So you could sing. So, You're a singer. Well, uh, let's just say that when I sing, panties melt all over the world. Of course. All over the world. Of course yeah, they do. I get the messages, I get the tweets, you know what I mean? So I know they're <laughs> melting. Um, so, but I'm, no, I'm a goofy singer. I can I can carry a tune, right. but I'm not like, I'm not putting out a singing album, a rap album, yeah, but not a singing You album. like to play. You want to have, you, like, you have an element of play in everything you do. Yes, yes. And so you sang in Godspell. I sang in Godspell. I, 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 I want to say my first, in high school I played, a character named Herb. He was this really silly, goofy, weird guy who would pop up in and out. And you're and Godspell, everyone's on stage at the same time for the most part. Um, throughout the whole thing. And and it's it takes place in like a park or in a, a city. And so it's it's like all these moving parts and moving pieces. And my character was really funny in it, and the crowd loved it. And I and funny, funny thing is that in college I got to play in Godspell again, the musical. Uh, and so, and then I played a different character. I played John the Baptist, who had to do more solo singing, which is a little scary, but, but I did it. You did you it. Know? You did it. I survived. I survived. Wow. Uh, was your mom really proud of you? Do you remember when you when you did the Godspell in high school that you remember her saying, "You've got something there, kid. You you got something." Oh yeah, she's been doing that since uh, since I was a lot younger. Actually, she my mom wanted to. Uh, to be an actor back in the day, but obviously having kids and things like that kind of slows that slows that down. She, she you know she writes poems and you know she's a very art, artsy and creative person. Um, and especially you know being in the church, she she was very proud that I was in Godspell. You know what I mean? It's about Jesus, and and that was something that was uh, was really cool for her to see. And uh, yeah, and she still is. My mom used to take me to all my auditions. You know, she would take, sometimes she would take time off work. She would call in late for work because, you know, she had to drive me to the audition or take me to these castings and do all this. You know, she was a hands-on mom with 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 my career. And you uh, think she's a very, like, I, I saw some interview where you go, my mom is one of the funniest people I know. Oh, yeah, she's hilarious. You really think your mom is, because I don't think my mom is one of the funniest people I know. <laughs> I don't, that's so far, so far-fetched that I, like, She's out there, but like you genuinely get a kick out of your mother. That's a rarity. Yes. My mom called me just now, but maybe maybe 10 minutes before I got on with you, my mom called me just to shoot the shit. But she goes, the, the first thing that she started doing was, hello, son, how are you? And I was like, I'm fine, mom. And she goes, your day going well so far? <laughs> go, yes. And she goes, so did I get the part? <laughs> I said, no, you did not. <laughs> no, I knew no, it was you. I knew yeah. it was you. <laughs> you did not get the part. She does that. She'll prank call me sometimes, and do. She, that's her favorite voice to do. For years, she's been doing that voice when she calls. She's not giving up on that voice. That's her go-to. Yeah. That's her go-to. So if anyone ever needs Skeletor, <laughs> the cartoon, like any any raspy kind of cigarette smoking voice, my mom can do it. She doesn't smoke cigarettes, but. She sounds like she, she sounds like she does. So yeah. you started doing like a lot. I, I noticed how many commercials and I, I, I told Ryan here, I said, Ryan, 
Look how many commercials this guy's done. I mean, he's done commercials. I never got asked to do one commercial. I thought I, I started to get a complex. I was like, why doesn't anybody want me in a commercial? I would do voiceover stuff eventually, but never on no, camera. Yeah, movie and TV star, man. That was why. I don't know, man. But there was a long stretch before that where I auditioned for commercials and I never got them. I think it's because oh, I had these fangs that they fixed eventually. I had, these, <laughs> I had these big Dracula fangs and no one wanted to see that shit on TV. Oh, man. Well, maybe not Colgate, but, you know, everything else. I'm sure would be perfectly fine. <laughs> not Colgate. Yeah, no, I, man, dude, I started doing so many commercials at one point. I didn't realize I was doing that many. I, I was broke. I was living in my car at one point. Like, I was, you know, borrowing money, you know, to pay rent, to pay bills, and, you know, literally borrowing food from friends. Like, hey, can I borrow the chicken breast? And, you know, I was doing stuff like that just to, to make it in L.A., and then one day my car got repoed, didn't have means to get back and forth to these auditions. And I lived in North Hollywood and I live right on Lang right off Lancashire in North Hollywood. What year was this? This was in 08, 09. This is not that long ago. No. Not that no. long ago you were living in a car. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. 08, 09, around that time. And then I remember, I remember... A buddy of mine moving to LA, we got an apartment together and the car got repoed because we both weren't doing very well, but to com combining our resources together, we could afford this apartment. And we we got in, but we were also struggling to pay bills, you know, and the car got repoed. And I remember having to borrow either my neighbor's car to go to auditions or take the bus. So I took the bus. In LA, it's not the easiest. You're going from North Hollywood to Santa Monica. Drive. It would take this three-hour trip just to get in there and go, mmm, these Oreos taste great. And then we go, thanks, Lamar. And you go, all right, back on this goddamn bus. <laughs> <train>. <laughs> Three you hours to say that. Man. And then one day I was late. One day I was late for an audition for Miller Lite. And I get there and they're like, did you read the signs? I said, yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. I'm sweating. And I didn't, I know they had the big tele, like the big board with the, the commercial written out right behind the camera. So I was like, I'll just, I guess I'll just fucking wing it. And I go in there and that's what I did. I, I, I was winging it and improvising. And that's when I realized like that might be my strength because I booked it right on the spot. And they, they, there were other people waiting. They had sent some of the other guys home and then they had me stay and read with the other girls that were there um, in the casting. And so I was confused when they had sent everybody home and they asked me to stay. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, well, this never happened before. And they were like, can you read with this person and that person? I was like, yeah, absolutely. And while doing that, I started coming to the realization that I think I booked this. I think that's, and that commercial was kind of what set the tone for the rest of the rest of the, for the rest of them. Cause I started getting offers for commercials and, uh, and, not a known person at this point in my career. Something just, you're late to. You're late to this thing. You're sweating. And you just start to improvise kind of for the first time of mm -hmm. improvising in commercials. And this is what takes your career off. Something that you never would expect. You would have been on time. You would have been sweating. You would have given them what they wanted. You thought what yeah. they wanted. Absolutely. It's like going rock bottom, man. You start to you start to rely on your instincts, you know, and our instincts is what makes us who we are you know if we are all if you and i go in for the same audition and you and i studied at the same acting school and you and i have the exact same mannerisms 
you know, they're going to just go, do we want to go with a black guy or a white guy? Same. There's no difference between these two performers. But if you have, I don't know, a lisp, or if you have a thing that you do, they're going to go, but you know, Michael has that thing that he does. That's different. That's something we haven't seen. Let's, let's go with, let's go with him. And for me, it was improv. It was a lot of cats know how to do it, but uh, when you're acting, you we, we fail to we, we we forget that that's a part of who we are, and we stick to the script so much. And when they're casting for something, they see fifty of those guys all doing the same thing. Yeah, you know, that's, like, that's so true. You, you got to differentiate list. yourself. You got to <laughs> yeah. differentiate yourself. I mean, but you know, but you got to go back to you doing Second City, and that had to attribute to that. That had to help that situation correct oh absolutely second city was like the biggest part of my career and i mean it's it's literally a facility to go play in and you start to turn that into a skill set and you're working with people who want to do the same thing you do and you guys are all creating together you're on stage you're you're telling jokes you're writing jokes you're creating characters um and so when you get older you don't realize that that's now ingrained in you it's not like, let me sit down and open my second city book and remember what's been taught to me. And no, you just, it becomes your personality where you like being silly. And, uh, and it definitely helps out. Definitely helps out. Who's your favorite improviser of all time? Who's your favorite second city member? Second city or groundlings, whoever it is, somebody that you just go, man, that's the person that makes me laugh the most. Mine's always been Farley. And I know that you won the Chris Farley award. I did, yes, I did win the Chris Farley Scholarship for for college, and I I would there's a there's a few because I've worked with some great Second City people as well, and there's some that you just admire from afar, you know Steve Carell and um, you know like T J Miller, um, but for me it was it's probably there's two guys, uh, this guy named Edgar Blackman that I worked with, it was always him and I on stage together. He, like himself, along with a guy named Tim Baltz and, and Sam Richardson. So Sam Richardson ha- is like, <laughs> like another level goofy. I got to work, I, I, I worked with him once at Second City. I came back as an alumni and did a show with him, did a cassette with him. They had a show called South Side of Heaven. It was, I think Tim Robinson, um, Tim Baltz, Edgar Blackman, Sam Richardson, I forget who else is in the cast, but it was one of the greatest shows I've ever seen, like of all time, like for over any production. And I've seen Hamilton, okay? Right. The South Side of Heaven is better than Hamilton. Wow. Um, and Sam Richardson was a big, big part of that. And I got to work with him on New Girl. I mean, he's a buddy of mine now, but you, when you, so he's probably, he probably tops that list for me, for wow. people I've seen. Yeah. How long did you struggle when you started to get these commercials? You cut it just catapulted, right? It was like a domino effect. So, the, so you started getting these, but did you start to think, I want to act? I'm doing commercials, but now I want to go to the next step. I mean, next yes. stage. And did you have that agent who can get you to those auditions, or were you just dealing mostly with commercial agents? Yeah, I, ha- I didn't have a theatrical agent. I just had commercial agents, and you know, it 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 was going good until it wasn't. Meaning, I I was looking at. I was going into the agency off like the agency to pick up like checks because I was getting a lot of them because I was doing a lot of commercials and I was like, man, this is this is crazy. crazy. How I'm on? T- I remember going into my agent's office one time and they had theatrical agents there. At it was called the first talent group, 
And I pretty much was like the head of their commercial division, you know, but I couldn't get a meeting with their theatrical agent to save my life. Jesus. I'll go in there one time. This guy goes, he goes, hey, man, dude, you're all over my fucking TV, man. You were just playing on our TV here, man. And I was like, okay, well, fucking sign me then. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? I'm clearly doing something right. He's like, yeah, man, we're gonna take a look, man. You know, we're gonna we're gonna take a look, man. You know how it is, man. I don't. <laughs> I don't know how it is. Like, so, Tell me how it is. Yeah. And so didn't couldn't get a meeting with those guys. And then I noticed that my check started slowing up. Like, I was like, man, I, I'm still working. My commercials are airing, like a lot. Like you can turn on TV, I'm like three spots in one commercial break. And I was like, what's going on? And they're like, oh, something's wrong with the mailing system, and it's this, and it's that, and blah, blah, blah. Then mysteriously, they found a bunch of checks of mine just kind of sitting in a drawer somewhere. They're like, oh, here you go. How much and money like, were in those all those checks? It was like $50,000 worth of checks. I'm talking, it was like a box. My God. Like a stack. I was like, what? I was like, what are you I was like, you just found them? Like, what would have happened if I would if I would have said anything? Then I then I go, then they go under. I go out of business mm-hmm. and I re- and I find that they have they have taken me for over a hundred grand. Wow. And they were robbing a lot of the actors. And that's when I started getting checks signed over to myself, not to the agent. Yeah, it was it was uh I still haven't resolved that. It was bad. Holy it was bad. shit. It was bad. So I left that agency. Uh, I well, I would hope you'd leave that agency. <laughs> what now so then you you got an agent because then you started getting auditions for things. Yes, I started getting, I, 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 so a buddy of mine um, was signed to an agency, Global Artist Agency. And to this day, they've been, they were like, I'm not with them anymore, but at the time, they, they, they definitely believed in me. At least one agent there wanted to start a commercial division there. So she said, okay, look, I'll take you on if you bring, if you come, if you sign with us commercially. And I said, okay, great. And out the gate, I started booking commercials for them. They were like, it worked out. And I was like, well, let's let's talk about these uh, theatrical auditions, though. And then within two months of being with this agency, I was on New Girl. Um, and that's such a story that you've probably told a million times. But the first thing I thought of was like, I wonder if he ever thanked Damon Wayans Jr. for not coming back to the show. I wonder if he actually said thank you, because, man, my shit took off. <laughs> All the time. All the time. You know him. <laughs> yeah, Damon's the homie. Like, we, yeah, we always trying to develop together and uh he's uh he's the the best like he's such he, a cool dude. and he was so he was on the show he was the pilot but he had a conflict with another show that he was doing yeah. called happy endings and so he couldn't do it so instead of writing the character off or the, instead of like replacing the character they just wrote him off and then just hired you for the second episode right and in a nutshell that's what happened it's a lot longer than that but pretty much that's how it went down um Prior to it, I want to say, I don't know if he auditioned or didn't, but prior to it, I got an offer to play that role of coach. But I had a prior engage, I had a prior obligation to CBS. And I'm talking within hours. We were trying to get them to make an offer for me for New Girl after I had auditioned a couple times. And it was like, why don't we make him an offer? He's got to test like everybody else. And, and, and my agents were saying, well, because CBS is making him an offer for another show. And they were like, impossible. Like, nobody, again, he, he's done a few commercials, but like, you know. And so CBS was, I was literally at the test for New Girl. And before you sign that contract, I got a call from my agent saying, don't sign the contract. We got an offer. 
CBS. And I was like, oh, and it was this pilot called The Assistance. It was uh, with TJ Miller and Heather Locklear, David Henry, Sarah Wright, um, Jason Jones. It was a great, great show. I, I, the pilot was really funny. The cast was amazing. Um, it just didn't go. And in that time, Damon had signed up to do New Girl not knowing if he could actually officially do it because he did, like you said, he had happy endings. Right. So everything just started working out. Him leaving, me having me coming back in for a new character that I auditioned 15 times for. You auditioned 15 times for, for your character. Yes. Well, 11 for my character. 11 for my character, I want to say, and then the other times for Coach. 11 right. times? What do they need to see that they won't see if they rewound the tape on the first one? I don't know. It were, was a lot. were you doing anything like different? Was, were you doing anything different? They would change the material up a little bit here and there. But I was like, just imagine that I said it like how I said the other joke. <laughs> so like, what are we doing? But at one point I started losing hope. I was like, I don't think I want to. I remember the last part, the last leg of this audition. I tested maybe three or four times, I want to say. And I remember the last audition I had. I thought I booked it. Jake Johnson it emailed me and was like, he was like, dude, I think you got it. I was like, oh my God, that's awesome. And he gives me a call right back. Oh, so there's this kid. Uh, there's Justin Hires. And Justin Hires, he's on uh, MacGyver right now, is a fucking stud. <laughs> so when they told me Justin was reading, I was like, God damn it. Oh. <laughs> I did all this for nothing. I was like, and here comes Justin's punk ass gonna take my job and luckily i, I booked it um, um but yeah i mean justin's doing how did that feel how did that feel when you finally they said you're in i i cried immediately like i didn't know how else to react because my and funny enough my mom was in town too visiting so you're both crying yeah my mom was in town i got in the car and called her it was just like i did it i did it. she's like people what i was like i did it she was just like she's on the phone crying. I'm on the phone crying. Um, <sighs> I, th I think back to the I think back to that time often, and it always brings a smile on my face. Just because I know how hard I, I worked leading up to that. Um, I've since gotten lazy, but prior to that, <laughs> oh my god, what a worker I was! <laughs> that's what, what happens. That's what happens. We get older and we do less. I, I don't think that's do. true with you. You work just as hard. I do, but it's it, I'm I'm trying to funnel my energy into other aspects of entertainment. You know what I mean? To things that I have more of my control over and that are more fun for me. Like I'm going to get into the podcast space. I've already taken a dive into it a little bit and producing and and, and writing more. And I, you know, I want to do what you do, man. What what do, what do I do? You can talk to cool ass people. Dude, shoot the shit. Have you know fun. what? Everybody, there's so many people doing it now that's become a little bit like, holy shit, it's a little like overwhelming. It's like, why are people going to listen to this show? Well, you hope so that you have good guests on. You yeah. probably know a lot more famous people than I do. No, absolutely not. You dude. know Common. You just did an album with Common. You're damn right. Don't you forget it. I'm not forgetting it. <laughs> I haven't forgotten it since you told me. So, eight seasons of this, which is like your first TV show, and it goes seven, seven seasons. Most people's, I did I did a, a, a show, we did a pilot. Then I did another show, we did eight episodes. Then I did another show, we did 10 episodes. You do your first show, you book, well, I guess the one before it, you did the pilot, right? Yeah. But mm -hmm. but really, relatively, you, you jump right into seven seasons of a hit show. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you, you get, you get jaded. 
because you think this is how life is. I know. You're like, oh my God, I struggled. And then I'm not going to struggle anymore, right? Wrong. Right. You know, you after the show goes off, you're like, okay, what next? And then there's this, this is like lull, this period of, you know, of years where you're like, uh, you might do a couple gigs here and there, but you don't know if anything is going to satisfy you the way or take your career to another level where you can get comfortable, you know what I mean? And not stress about getting a gig. And, and even when you do get a gig, you think people are going to be as cool as the people were on New Girl. And uh, sometimes it works out, sometimes it's not. It doesn't. Was the you cast I mean? that great? Did you always have so much fun? It was just very collaborative and always a good time? Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, we're all friends to this day. You know, we're always trying to find projects for us to do together. We're always like, Isn't that great? you know, we jump at those opportunities to do these reunion panels and things like that. And we're just because we genuinely enjoyed it. We, we, we had fun. We, we goofed off. Our characters were very different from each other. So we could live in those spaces and play and and. You know, it was it was it was amazing. I might have to beg you to get me Zoe on the podcast sometime. I can, I, that's uh, easy. Is she cool like that? Yeah. Oh, she yeah. seems so cool. Yeah, especially now in her life, like now in her life, everything she's comfortable. She's like, hey, I just want to have fun. I'm gonna host a show over here. I might do a movie. I might not. I might do a podcast. She's like, yeah, let's do it. Who's 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 having fun? I want to do that. That's great. That's that's kind of how she is. And tell know? me about woke. Oh man, woke is like woke is amazing. Woke is uh, I've always wanted to play a, a character that existed or lived. Like I thought, like I wanted to play Martin Luther King like, in a movie. Like I'm trying to figure out how to play Martin Luther King in a comedy. I'm not 100 percent sure how that's going to work. You can do like, it. You can figure it out. I would figure it out. Um, and and then I got the opportunity. I got to, I got a, a like post New Girl again. You get some scripts here and there for certain shows and a lot of them were kind of just like way too slapsticky and weird. And I was like, I just got through doing that with new girl. And I was like, I want to do something that's, uh, that's kind of relevant culturally, at least something that people will talk about. And when I read the script, I was like, Holy shit, this is it. This is the script. This is the, how do I, how do I, how do I get in? How do I get involved? And, um, you know, met with the director, met with the, the, the guy who the show was based on. So for those who haven't seen it, Woke is about a cartoonist, a guy named Keith Knight, who's alive and well. But, you know, he was a cartoonist in San Francisco in the 90s. And he was in a punk band. He was a black dude who was in a punk band who likes hockey. You know what I mean? So and his, yeah, and his comics reflected that. So people, when they would meet him at Comic-Con and things like that, they would go, I didn't know you were black. You know, and he's like, should I have written it down somewhere? Yeah. And so his the show is about, you know, his walk politically where it's down the middle of the road. He doesn't think racism exists. He doesn't let the, the his neighbor's problems bother him. He just wants to keep his head down and make boring old comic strips for his fans. And that's it. Right. And so one day the show is about. The, the situation we use in the show is that one day he gets um, mistaken, his identity gets mistaken for a, a criminal while he's putting up flyers for a show and he gets beat up a little bit by the police. And when he's, when he comes from that moment, he starts to go crazy a little bit when he starts seeing things and like really seeing things. And, and these comic strips 
these cartoon characters, these inanimate objects start talking to him and they start forming the way his art looks. Um, I have have a racist marker that's played by J.B. Smoove. Um, And you directed him in an episode that you wrote in uh, New Girl, Girl. right? Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. So he, he came on and killed it. We have Cedric the Entertainer plays a talking trash can. I we saw got, that. Yeah, it's amazing. We got man. We got Lil Rel. We got uh, Sam uh, Sam Sam Richardson and Tony Hale. They play this toast and butter that talks to me. Um, and <laughs> that I'm like, come on, please, you can do it. And they argue and they fight each other. And uh, it shot so well too. It looks really yeah. good. It, when you talk yeah. about it, it could easily come. I, I don't know. That sounds good. It's so well shot, guys. You need to take yeah. a look at this. And I know that you also. You struggled because uh, you kept shutting down because of COVID, right? The second season? Yeah, Is second that season. We, we got shut down maybe three times, I want to say. Um, but, you know, we and, and I'll say this. The shutdowns weren't because things were getting out of hand. The shutdowns were more so just to be safe. You know what I mean? I think Sony did a great job of kind of making sure. every And, and we had COVID people on set that were overly cautious, which I think which I think is, is, is good in that setting. You know what I mean? Because if one person gets sick, the last thing you need is for a hundred people to get sick. You know what I mean? And so, you know, in an effort to stop the spread, I guess you kind of have to, all right, the dude over there who's driving the truck got COVID, everybody go home. Like, let's, who, who, who we've been around, let's test everybody again. Let's make sure everybody's good to go. Let's get back to work. Um, And so they were, you know, they, 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 I think they did what they needed to do, and they they handled it uh, correctly. Where can we see Woke? Hulu. Hulu, Woke guys. Hulu. Make sure y'all watch it. If you don't watch it, guys, one, okay. F you. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> you know what I and mean? And I won't. You know, and I'll stop watching you guys. <laughs> I don't know what that means. By the I'll way, stop. didn't you just do a horror movie? I did. I'm I a huge horror it. fan, and everybody who knows oh. me knows I'm a diehard what kind of horror movie was it? Was it paranormal? Was it psychological? Was it like blood and guts? What was it? It was a little of all those things. Ooh. It was psychological, paranormal. It's like, imagine Shutter Island on crack. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Phoebe Tonkin, um, uh, did, oh gosh, she crushes it in this, in this movie. And we have, you know, um, the China brothers. These two guys are... Night shift. Night shift. Night shift. Yep. Night shift. Wait, is this out? No, not yet. Not yet. We just wrapped. Um, That's what you wrapped. just wrapped. That's why you couldn't be on the podcast earlier because you were wrapping that. Yes. Yes. I'm excited <laughs> about this one. I'm excited about this one. Dude, I can't wait for people to see it. I play a weirdo. I. I what? I, I, this is, oh my god! I don't. Yeah. It, it, you probably won't recognize me in this movie. Physically, you will, but I have. <laughs> It's good, man. I play a fucking creep. Yeah. Have you done? A, don't say anymore. Don't ruin it. But did you have you done a horror movie before this? Oh man, I was hoping you didn't bring. The, this well, movie. then don't talk about it if you didn't like it. I can hope you didn't bring this shit up, man. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> I've already pissed you off. Bullshit, At least I pissed man. you off towards the end. It's bullshit, man. Asking me these questions about the freaking. Okay, fine. I'll tell you since you're pulling my dick about it. <laughs> <sighs> I did a movie called April Fools. It was my first movie. Okay. It was trash. You, you didn't like it. No, I didn't like it. I get killed in the first five minutes of the movie. Uh, oh, well, of course <laughs> you didn't like it. 
I thought though, wait a minute, I thought those days were over where they killed a black guy in the first five minutes. What the fuck's that well, about? Well, not when it's all black cast. Oh, then that's okay. Yeah, somebody got it. No, die. they should have killed a white guy in the first five minutes. Yeah, they should have. That's we what had, they we had a Dominican. We had a Dominican guy named <laughs> Ramses Jimenez. Who looks, looks white sometimes, but he's Dominican as hell, man. And so they were like, nah, I can't kill him. <laughs> so they killed me. Killed me, man. Uh, and he's a better actor, too. So they were just getting rid of the, the, the terrible actor first, I guess. Hey, uh, Lamorne, this is uh, called Shit Talking with Lamorne Morris. This is uh, Rapid Fire. Or you, or you could answer however you want. Uh, th- these are my patrons. They, they're the patrons. They subscribe to the podcast. They do extra mm-hmm. for the podcast. Here we go. Little Lisa, what's your biggest fear? Uh, dying in a plane crash. Damn. You went dark. I'm I, so scared of flying, man. So scared of flying. Like, if there's a bump, I freak out and I look around like, y'all feel that shit too? You know, why don't we have parachutes on planes? That's the commercial. Like, if I'm sitting first class, goddammit, I should have a parachute. Okay, your meals are <laughs> shitty. Give me a parachute. What's the worst thing though? Surviving a plane crash or dying in a plane crash? Do you really want dying. to survive? I do. I would love to survive. I Oof. I would love to survive because you know I'm going to sue for a billion dollars. All right, that makes sense. I, you went there. You went there. Yeah. That makes more sense. <laughs> Dave P, are you a cat person as much as Winston was? Absolutely not. Hell no. You don't own an animal. I do not own an animal. Not at all. But, uh, you know, my, my house has turned into a bit of a, a dog park because all my friends bring their damn dogs to my house. I got doggy bowls everywhere, dog beds. Well, you toys. allow it. You allow I it. I allow it. Dogs are cool. They shit everywhere. And sometimes, like, Jen, you know, you and your damn dog, Danielle, I'm just naming my friends, Morgan, y'all dog, Mickey, y'all dogs be shitting. And, like, y'all got to clean it up sometimes. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I know the answer um, to this question, by the way. Dana asks, what role have you played that you wish you hadn't? <laughs> April Fools! April Fools! Okay, I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, uh, what, what is, uh, Leanne P., what's something, what, what is something people would be surprised to learn about you besides all your shoe collection of LeBron James and Jordans? Uh, surprised to learn about me. Ooh, I don't know. I, 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 I'm very, I'm very out there with things that actually people, a lot of people don't know I have a daughter. People don't know that about me. Really? Yeah. Cause I don't like, I'm not, I posted once about her. I took it down. I'm not, I'm not one of those, like, I can't, I don't know. It's something about posting my kid that I'm like, it feels weird to me. Like I want to do it. It's, I like want to brag about her. She's amazing. But now, like, it's just, yeah. You just feel uncomfortable posting about her and you're like, want to keep that private sort of. Yeah. Now yeah. you, you say baby mama. You have a baby mama. Do you get along with the child's mother? See, for oh, a yeah, white guy, yeah. I can't say baby mama. For some reason, it just doesn't come out naturally. Sound right, huh? I'm oh, like, um, so the baby mama of the uh, it just doesn't sound right. So the the child's mother. Uh, mm-hmm. do, so you guys get along? Are you you know? Is it is it, is yeah, it difficult? Yeah, we get along. I mean, you know, you have your ups and downs, but it's normal stuff. Like, we get along. Yeah, it's not. I mean, we're just not in a relationship. You know, it's hard to travel back and forth and you know do the scheduling and all that stuff like that i get it I get a little, but we, we get along yeah. i like it i like it and h what's your favorite hobby that you do when you get stressed out or sick i do adult coloring books says ann i do other adult things <laughs> ah i'm kidding uh <laughs> am i though uh no i uh yeah, well, no, I play uh, I play basketball. I have a, a basketball hoop in my backyard. And uh, if I get, like, super stressed out, I just go shoot around for a little bit. I'll play with you sometime. You sure? Are you any good? I'm not, I'm not good, but, like, I pick stuff up. I play a lot of sports. Uh-huh. So if you just showed me some fundamentals, 
I grew up in Indiana. I watched a lot of basketball. I never played because I was always short as a child. But if okay. you showed me a few things, I at least it'd be fun. We'd have a good Here's time. Here's what we're going to do. All right. I want everybody out there to go and look up Lethal Shooter on Instagram. Lethal Shooter. This guy doesn't miss. He's a shooting coach. He's come to my house before. It'd be great to get you and Lethal Shooter together. It would be a it would be an amazing episode of your podcast. Uh-huh. You guys can talk while he teaches you how to shoot. And this guy is, I'm telling you, he's a, when I say he creates all these weird inventions, like hoops with spikes, and he shows you how he can just get the ball right in there without it, the ball exploding. Or he'll he'll be on one boat and have another boat with a hoop going by, and he won't miss. And he's, he's that good. He coaches NBA players. Everyone, like celebrities. Like oh, so we get a free coaching lesson. He'll show me how to shoot a basketball. That's all I need. Somebody yes. to really show me how to shoot a basketball. Yes, lethal shooter. Lethal shooter. Michelle K. Last question: What do you want your legacy to be, Lamorne? Your legacy. The ultimate teammate. I and and that's just in life, but that's also in my career. Man, I just love collabing with people, and again, that's why that's why I love Adam Sandler so much, is because it's family and his friends, and he. If I can help somebody achieve their goals and their dreams, I would love to. You know what I mean? Use use the the one thing I know how to do, which is perform, and use that to help everybody else achieve their things. You know what I mean? So, so you really want to lift everybody else up too. You're yeah. a team player. Oh my God, if we're all winning, if everyone's winning, and you know, and 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 if everyone's helping people, and you know, being philanthropic, and you know, just trying to. Everyone, every people on planet Earth, man, we just want to enjoy life. I think everybody, but some people are struggling. You know, um, if we can help people, let's do it, man. Let's 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 do it. And I think, especially with me being an actor, a lot of my friends are actors. And you know, if I ever have opportunity to help friends out in that space, I do it. And and I, you know, I work my butt off to to get to a place where I have the ultimate say to hire people that are friends and family or control the power. The power to do power. that. If you have the ability, the power to do that. Yeah. That's that sweet. And I believe you. That's the thing. I believe what you're saying. Yeah. There's a lot of people <laughs> who are just in it for themselves. They just yeah. want to be billionaire, trillionaires, an empire. Yeah. And they don't care about the little people. But you want oh, to man. kind of bring the bring your friends along with for the ride. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That is a that's I get more satisfaction out of like going to my friends' premieres than my own. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'll leave you with this. Um, my friend Dax, I did a movie, mm-hmm. and uh, he texted me during the movie of my premiere and said, this movie's so bad, I can't believe I'm not in it. <laughs> and I thought because it was a bad movie, and I laughed my dick off. And another uh, funny story is I did this movie uh, – it was just funny. He was kidding around because we love Jamie Kennedy. But Jamie Kennedy, we did this movie. And I was kidding. I go, I'm never doing another Jamie Kennedy movie. Just joking mm-hmm. around. And Miguel Nunez, who's hilarious, goes, he goes yeah. motherfucker. He's like, Jamie Kennedy never doing another Jamie Kennedy movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, dude, Before we go, can I ask uh, Pool Hall Junkies? <laughs> oh, did you, I, that, you saw that? Did I see it? I had the poster in my room. Wow. And the poster in my room, me and my friends, we started going to pool. That's that's what that's why I started playing pool was because I love that movie so much. Um like even fucking Christopher Walken. I was oh, like, was great, what man. the fuck? 
that monologue he gives you guys were you guys were clicking on all cylinders man you know that was funny because that movie i got the call the night before and the director said hey can you get on a plane in the morning and you're gonna play my brother and i just got on a plane i learned my lines in the plane and i and i did it and i was like every day on set when palm and terry's working or Mm -hmm. uh uh rod steiger or christopher walken i would just watch walken to see that inflection he has you you said it joe better than all (laughs) you would do that thing and I would talk to him and he, he, it was just like, it was, it was a fun, it's one of those independent movies where you're like, man, I wish this would have blown up, but people still yeah. come to me and they say, Hey, I really enjoyed the movie. And it was good to oh, be a, a part of something that was, you know, people liked. So I, thank man, you. Like, I loved it. There's, I even remember small bits of the movie, like continuity things that were funny. Like, um, uh, what was, uh, you just said his name. Um, the older guy, Rod Steiger. Yeah. Yes. He had, he had the hat on. On one scene, he's talking to he's at the pool hall, and then they cut, they come back to him, and his hat's like this. And they come back <laughs> I to think I remember that. Like I think I remember <laughs> that. I lost it. Independent filming. I remember one day Walken was just pissed off because he's supposed to be filming, and he's been waiting in his trailer for hours, and he walks out, and the director's name is Mars. And he mm-hmm. looks at Mars, he says, Mars, today's my last day. And he walked out, and they're like, we're like, oh, fuck. He's like, I better go talk to Mr. Walken. He's like, well, I'm done. I've been waiting in my trailer for hours. I'm done, Mars. You know, I'm like, dude, you're getting paid a million dollars for being here for like a week. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, he was he was cool. He was cool. Well, I appreciate that, man. I love your work. And I hope you think of me when you're doing something because you're always uh, thinking of new things and doing great things. And uh, yeah. this has been a real treat for me. I'm going to keep in touch with you whether you like it or not. No, please do, man. You got my email. I'll put my number in there, dude. Please, man. Please, please, please. I love this. Up. I love this. I and I didn't know. I don't know you, so I was sort of like, he seems great. I don't, you know, my friend Joe Latruglio from uh, yeah. Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah. I just said, hey, I'm about to talk to Lamar Morris. He goes, oh, dude, he's he's awesome. You're gonna love him. <laughs> and it tough, seems man. like we know a lot of the same people. But I'm I'm so glad you were such a good sport and you were so funny and so good to talk to. And uh, oh, I just appreciate it. I'm, and let's keep in touch, man. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. I really do appreciate it. Of course. It was my pleasure, man. All my love. I'm going to email you right after this, so you better email me. Okay. All right, cool. All right. Uh, Take it easy, bro. See ya. Yeah, he just was uh, easy to talk to. Had great stories. I love the Sandler story. I love uh, just kind of getting in his head and how he feels about everything, and he's just, he's a go-getter. You know what I mean? He's been around, and... uh, He's a he's just a magnetic yeah. personality. Mm-hmm. I, I like him. I want to hang out with this guy. Yeah, that's cool for guests that you don't know beforehand. Yes, because you, you you get anxious about how it's going to go, and this went very well. Yeah, I always get anxious. Yeah, I always get anxious before guests, and you know my therapist is like, "Why don't you just enjoy it and get excited about it?" And uh, I do, but then I always think I'm going to run out of things to say, and people are like, "You don't ever run out of things to say." That's not entirely true. Well, no, you you really don't. Yeah, it's really fine. Well, all right. Thanks, Ryan. I need Ryan here. I need Ryan by my side. He's uh, he's good. He's you're the goods. I'm just I'm like a fucking rainbow for you. You're a fucking rainbow (laughs) of delight, is what you are, my friend. And I love having you around. Uh, Hey, if you're uh, still listening and you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe. You can watch the shows on YouTube. You can listen. um, The handle. You can listen anywhere podcasts exist. We've been getting a lot of press lately. Stephen Amell episode and lots of others. So um, hopefully you'll spread the word and continue it. Um, also, I'm on the Cameo. Um, I have a Patreon account, patreon.com slash inside of you. 
That's if you want to give to the podcast a little bit more, I'll message you right after. I really appreciate it. Check out patreon.com slash inside of you. The inside of you online store has tons of merch. Uh, the sunspin.com. You can zoom me and get merch there for the band. Um, a lot of great stuff. Uh, I will be in uh, Lexington, Kentucky this weekend doing a Smallville Nights and a signing with Tom Welling, my co-star from Smallville. And then on the 24th of September, I'll be in West Virginia. So get tickets to that because uh, that's going to be a lot of fun as well. Um, yeah, a lot of good stuff going on, man. Uh, you know, I've been writing a lot and um, like I said, I've been I've been exercising a little more. Try, I think that does help me a little bit. I think so too. I think you just have to. I mean, if you're feeling something and you don't like it, go do something. Yeah. I got to learn to meditate again, man. I got to get back into it. I got to start doing things that, whew, more therapy, <laughs> more fucking therapy, Ryan. More therapy and exercise for everybody. Yeah. All around. You hear that? It works for some of us. That's and maybe a little sure. bit of music here and there. Yeah. A little music. Music does help. I always have music playing in the house. Not now because it would interrupt. Uh, let's get into the top tier patrons. We do it every week. Ryan has just been killing it. He just knows all the names. Uh, do you want to skip it this week? Do, do whatever you want to do. Um, all right. Nancy D, Leah S, Trisha F. These are patrons that give a little extra and they get the top tier and they get their names read off. Sarah V, Little Lisa, Yukiko, Jill. Yukiko's back. Wasn't Yukiko gone for a minute? Maybe not. Jill E, Brian H, Mama Lauren G, Nico P, Jerry W, Robert L, Jason W, Apothean, Kristen K, Amelia O, Allison L, Raj C, Joshua D, Emily S, CJ P. Hmm, see the random Ryan there. Random Ryan. <laughs> Samantha M, Jennifer N, Stacy L, Jen S, Jamal F, Janelle B, Kimberly. Oh, uh, E. Correct. Mike E, Eldon Supremo, 99 more, Amira, Santiago M, Sarah F, Chad W, Leon P, Janine R, Ray. A. Gosh, you're good. Maya P, Maddie S, Shannon D, Matt W, Belinda N, Kevin V, James R, Chris H, Dave H, Spider-Man. Chase. Sheila. G. Brad. D. Wow. Ray H, Tabitha T, Tom N, Liliana A, Michelle. K. Mich Michael S, Talia M, Betsy D, Claire M, Laura L, Chad L, Rochelle, Nathan E, Marion, Meg. C. K. Damn. Janelle P, Trav L, Dan N, uh... Ajeta. Ajeta. Lorraine G. Carrie H. Veronica K. Big Stevie W. Kendall T. Carol D. Uh, Angel M. Rhiannon. C. Yes. Mm. Corey. L. K. K. Close. Let her off. Super. Uh, Super Sam. Good. Emily C. Coleman G. Dev Nexon. Michelle A. Liz L. Jeremy C. Andy T. Cody R. Sebastian. That's a tough one. I was going to say K again. Yes. That is. <laughs> Holy shit, Gavinator, Ann H, David C, Elliot M, John B, Brandy D, Yavor, Camille S, Bon Jovi, Bono, 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 Bono. Bon Jovi, <laughs> The C, Joey M, PT Scarborough, PT Scarborough, and Willie F. You were my top tier patrons. I couldn't do the show without you. You give back, and uh, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I certainly did. Uh, I'm Michael Rosenbaum from the Hollywood Hills of California. Hollywood Hills, I'm Ryan Taylor. Nice to see everybody. <laughs> Waving to that camera, Ryan, as we always do. We love you. Thank you for allowing me to be inside of each and every one of you. I appreciate you listening and supporting the podcast. All right. <laughs> 
Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.